Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. We are here at the brand new Charm City Meadworks Tap Room in Mount Vernon, and this is definitely the first time I've ever done a podcast inside of a refrigerator, I will say that. Um, we're here with Charm City Meadworks owner, James Boycourt. James, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to be on the podcast today. No, we're really excited about it. Um, you know, it was well-timed with our uh, you know grand opening, and uh, our first chance to really tell the public uh, a little bit more about what we're doing here. Yeah, so you guys just opened this past weekend. Um, you're on East Biddle Street, right off of, if you're getting off 83, right off of Chase Street, um, a great location. So tell people a little bit about how you found this spot and, and why you decided to open here. Uh, technically, we're actually in Johnston Square, even though it's only, um, the difference is being across the 83 bridge. Gotcha. Um, there's not many warehouses in this part of town. Uh, in fact, uh, you're really hard pressed to find any warehouse space, uh, this close into the center of the city and found about, found out about it through a friend. Uh, the price was right and it was a major fixer upper. Um, there were holes in the walls, holes in the ceiling, holes in the floors, live electrical wires dangling. Wow, sounds like a real safe, safe environment for, yeah, for the first um, part of construction. But we, um, we cleaned it out and we moved in. Um, our production stuff came over here in uh, sort of the week before Christmas last year. And we were producing you know, by the end of January, and it's taken quite some time due to an unfortunate um, death of our landlord, our original landlord, uh, to establish a relationship with the new landlord. Um, and it sort of slowed our taproom plans down quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, it's one of those things you can't really predict. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of the way life goes. Uh, we finally got permission uh, to move forward with our plans um, during the summer and getting through the permitting process and all that. Um, and actually physically building out took uh, quite a bit of time. So we're very eager and excited to finally have something to offer uh, all of our customers here. Excited to come see what we're up to. Yeah, and what was this? What did this space used to be back in the day? Do you have like the history of the building? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's actually an old postal garage originally. That oh, wow. um, was built um, back in the you know first part of the 1900s, the Jones Falls. Uh, still had a big oxbow or curve that actually swung out through this part of the um, town. And when they uh, filled, basically they diverted the Jones Falls River into this giant concrete tunnel called the Conduit hmm. that's now under the Jones Falls Expressway. Right, right. And they, uh, they filled in the old riverbed, which is why the building kind of curves through the center of the block between Biddle and Preston. Oh, gotcha. 
That's really cool. Um, it's it's a really neat thing. the The tricky part of it is that it meant that the floors settled a little. You know, when you put <laughs> forty feet of fill in and then go, hey, let's put a building on top of this. Right, right. Um, it's not exactly the best. Not very um, even all yeah. the way across, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks beautiful. I mean, you guys have have definitely given it some character out in the front of the tap room. Um, there's a couch from Light City. We can get into all of that. But I guess people's probably first question when they, they meet you is, what is mead? Why mead? Um, I'm sure you've gotten that a million times. So what's sort of your your go-to answer and what, what made you fall in love with mead? Well, basically mead is um, the world's oldest alcoholic beverage. It's uh, made from honey and water and yeast. Uh, so the basics of it are pretty simple. Um, I got into it because I was in college. I was I took up a beekeeping class hmm. uh, to get rid of a bioelective. Uh, the class was famous because the professor was really wonderful, and um, this was the one thing that he taught every year. Um, I um, I took the class and I was home brewing at the time, and we started talking a little bit about mead, and as I had honey available. I, I took up beekeeping because the class was so great. Um, yeah. In fact, I ended up with a master beekeeper's certificate and uh, almost ended up minoring in entomology. That's amazing. Does your professor know that your original beekeeping professor know that this is what you've done with? Some of my beekeeping professors do, yeah. um, <laughs> but the original guy um, passed away uh, last year. Yeah. Just kind of actually kind of cool because the month afterwards, uh, the I uh, went to NC State and the school paper, the technician, um, interviewed me to sort of look at what we were doing, and I was able to say, hey, look, you know, this one guy um, really, um, you know, inspired, ended up inspiring me in a way that I never could have figured at the time. Wow. That's really amazing. Well, you were able to pay tribute to him, and and so therefore Meadworks kind of does too, which is really cool. Yeah. So so you were home brewing, and then you got into your beekeeping, and then Mead just was sort of a natural uh, combo of the two. Or yeah, yeah. Um, and so, do people have a lot of like misconceptions, preconceived notions about Mead? I mean, do you get a lot of like Renaissance festival jokes? And I mean, <laughs> like, what do you what do you think people? Do, Kind of misunderstand about mead maybe well it's uh it's misunderstood in a lot of ways a lot of people don't have any idea what it is a lot of people think it has to be something really sweet and heavy and a lot of people um just don't have any idea what, what it's going to taste like or you know some people think it's the same thing as beer um it's really one of those things that uh, people just don't know enough about. So right. what's really been um, a major compliment is that they've, uh, over the last few years as we've been in business, um, people have been trying it out like crazy and they're really excited about it. Um, we've shown a whole new group of people what mead is or what it can be. Right. Um, and they they look to that now and there are more and more people every day that are seriously excited about it and are there other 
did you look to other sort of meteries? Is that is meadery a, a word? Did I just? It is. Okay. But I usually tell people I own a winery, brewery type thing because if I say meadery, they immediately <laughs> think I make sausage. <laughs> meadery, yeah. Um, so, did you look to other meaderies around the country and, and sort of get inspired, or were there ones that you're like, okay, I, I see they they're doing this, so I'm not. I don't feel as crazy to start this thing in Baltimore. So the thing really was, um, I, I looked at this as having a lot of business potential back when I was first getting out of college in 2006 and mm -hmm. seven. It just seemed like a really great idea. And I sort of kept it on the back burner while I took more conservative, you know, more purposeful um, career options. Sorry. That's okay. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. Do you want to be on the podcast? You're more uh, than welcome. I don't know. You guys want to be on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Right. Um, <laughs> so, Andrew, right? Yep. Okay. This is Andrew. What's your last name? Kevin. Okay. So we were just talking about. I was saying. So we were talking about like mead and the, the misconceptions that surround mead. And I was asking if there were other mead making places in the country that um, you guys sort of looked to, or maybe James looked to when he were first thinking about this as like a business opportunity. So when we first started, there were a few out there, um, and most of them were making uh, things that were sweeter and heavier than we were. Mm -hmm. uh, there was still relatively um, few in the last, you know, four years since we started this business. I don't remember what the exact number is. Andrew might have a better idea, but I want to say that the number of meteries is easily doubled or tripled or wow. even more. Um, but it was something that Andrew and I were looking at um, different opportunities in the beverage industry and we're going, I don't know, what about this? What about that? And we took a little bit closer look at mead and decided that that was the thing to pursue because it seemed like there wasn't a, a lot out there. Right, well, and it's also, obviously your, your beekeeping background fits right into it. And then also for gluten-free drinkers, it's really nice. Um, it kind of, it's attractive for a, a few reasons, I would think. And it was uncrowded category. Yep. You were coming in being the 10th craft brewer in the city or whatever it was. Um, and the, there really wasn't anything in terms of lighter, drier mead out there. Um, we wanted it to be something that you could have as an everyday beverage. Mm -hmm. Something that was light and refreshing. Um, and well, we do make some stuff that's a little bit sweeter. Um, I think the showing people for the, you know, for what might be their first time that it can be something uh, refreshing that they go to all the time as opposed to an occasional novelty right. or celebration kind of thing. So do you guys have one that's like by far your most popular, your best seller, the one that people know you for? Well, one of the things that people really do know us for and it still continues to sell really well is our uh, basil lemongrass. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of a unique flavor. It's really light, herbal, crisp, and refreshing. Yeah. Um, and I know that you have you have a sample of, is that your gin barreled basil lemongrass? Yep. Okay, so this is like a, a one-off for you guys, right? That you're That's just available in the tap room? Correct. Okay. Um, do you want to try a few and we can talk about sort of the process of making it or? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, 
This is for you to try out. I've actually. You guys are. Your guys. You guys are good on that front. We've we've had a pretty fair amount of this. And what's so? What's like the percentage or ABV on on this kind of thing? It's a six point nine percent ABV. Okay. And is that where most of your mead? It's where all of our draft canned carbonated ones are. Okay. And then we have a line in bottles. That's twelve percent more like the wine. Gotcha. Um, kind of the more traditional mead. Okay. So we've seen kind of some for the beer and cider crowd, some for the wine people, the mead people. Right. So you can kind of get them where they all intersect, I would think. Yeah. And we wanted to give people a kind of jumping off from previous drinking experiences. Mm -hmm. So people have mead now, they don't know, what is this? How do I drink this? Should I drink it out of a horn? Do I drink it out of a snifter? <laughs> right. um, so if we had this wine at 7%, say, treat this like a craft beer or the line of 12% treat this like wine, but, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah. I, I could do that, um, things like that. It makes sense for people. That's great. And so the process of, of making mead, how is how does that differ from craft beer? How does that differ from wine? Like, where do you, how do you describe it to people? Well, for us, it's a cold process. So there's no grapes, there's no grain uh, in it. We don't have to heat up anything the way that um, breweries do. Um, it's a little bit longer um, than most beer processes uh, because there's some aging involved. Um, the fermentation can be a little bit longer. Um, it tends to be on more of a beer type production schedule. So wine is very seasonal. You typically make it all, you know, in, in one part of the year you, you ferment it all and then you age it through the rest of the year mm -hmm. and package it you know on a slightly different schedule it's very seasonal whereas ours is a lot less so gotcha and so for something um like this gin barrel aged are you are you barreling like is this local gin that you're using for these barrels or how does like how long is it aged for how does that affect the process so so we got these from a distillery down in dc called one eight awesome yeah uh, so this is aged in their ivy city gin barrel nice. um it's one of the smaller barrels it's a 35 gallon instead of the bigger 53. okay so it was only in there for about two and a half months gotcha. um and you picked up quite a bit of that gin flavor it does yeah and well and i've had the regular basil lemonade and this definitely packs a little bit more of a punch yeah. um it's but it's great for this time of year when you want something maybe a little more spirited and yes yeah. yeah so we're starting to do a little bit more with that um kind of playing up some of the barrel notes in these um and just experimenting a little bit more now that we have this tap room here um on Biddle Street and kind of use this as a little bit more of a playground for different experimental stuff um this only so we only got about five kegs out of this wow um, yeah there's about one left now we just have the last one wow so big opening weekend <laughs> yeah it was uh it was nuts um but you know really um we're excited for it excited to be here and we're just blown away by the support we got from everyone that's um, so awesome yeah I, re cool. I remember you saying when you were moving that you were literally running out of space in your your old spot um you just couldn't fit you couldn't store you couldn't do what you wanted to do and so this is kind of liberated you I would think yeah every day we had to pull everything out into the um, you know parking lot just in order to to work inside pretty much at the old space it was really a lot of a lot of juggling um, yeah. to keep it keep it moving through there and there's only really enough room for two people to um, work at any given time um, with the floor space that we had so it was a 
a lot. Yeah. A pretty big jump. We went from about 1,500 square feet to 7,500 here. Wow, that's, so it's, that's great. Yeah, um, we're excited, pushing into new markets. Um, we're in Maryland, D.C., went in Virginia this summer, and then we're going into Georgia next month. Where's the closest other like meadery from? So there's from here? might be up in Delaware. Okay. Um, there's Brimhorn or the Colony up in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's about to be one Maryland Mead Works uh, with Ken Carter actually right down in Hyattsville. Okay. Uh, for some reason we don't really know why. Maybe it's we smell bad or something. Um, <laughs> there really haven't been. There's nine or thirteen up in Pennsylvania. Four or five out in Virginia. Um, there's Blackheath down in Richmond or Silverhand, um, a couple in Delaware, but for the longest time we've just been the only ones here in Maryland, and Maybe we don't totally know why. You're well, just so good that people feel like they can't even There's a, There's one in uh, Middletown, Maryland, Orchid Cellars. They do a little bit of wine as well now, um, but theirs are uh, very heavy uh, traditional Polish meads. Mm. And they're really tasty, but they're also something that's more of an occasional. So are they like heavy, like thicker, like more syrupy? Yeah, okay. and they're uh, typically around 18%. Ate, yeah, so it's quite a bit. That is a special occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. But that's kind of the fun thing about mead is that we can have our basil lemongrass, light refreshing, 6.9% ABV in a can. Right. And then these incredibly complex 18% ABV meads that are much richer, fuller. Yeah. Uh, and it's all still mead. Mead is as diverse as beer or wine with all these different styles, but people just don't know it yet. Right. It's always funny to me when you hear people say like, oh, I'm, I don't really like beer, or I don't really like mead, or I'm, I'm not a big wine drinker. And it's it's these huge blanket statements that if people realize that what it actually breadth is, breadth of flavors yeah. you can have in that category, it's kind of, it's like saying you don't like, like vegetables or I don't know, something <laughs> like a whole category of something. Um, and I feel like you guys have a lot of great seasonal meat for this time of year, for when it gets a little chillier out and people start having bonfires. I know you were mentioning an upcoming release that you guys are excited about. So just what do you what do you guys have coming up that you're stoked about? Obviously just getting people in the tap room maybe for different events and stuff like that. Uh, Apple Soderman, as James probably mentioned, that's going to be our next bottle one. Pretty excited about that. Uh, Retired by the Fire, our winter one came, just came out. Um, but really excited about just here in the tap room doing some more experimental stuff and really kind of moving towards a few more limited releases, um, whether it's here in the tap room or just kind of smaller distribution. Um, really excited to just explore more, whether it's different yeast strains, uh, different production techniques, um, more different honeys, things like that. Um, kind of just to start, now that we've kind of been so focused the last six, eight months on moving up here, getting the tap room ready, now that that's done, we can kind of get back to 100% focused on what we Production. actually want to do. Yeah, exactly. How do you guys source your honey and your ingredients? I mean, there's probably so many great farms. and So it's a little bit of a mix of things. We do um, everything from, uh, you know, really local stuff from friends farms. When it comes to like our strawberry ginger, we've used Steve Marsh. Uh, he's a friend of ours, has a right. giant... Um, uh, strawberry patch um, and we pulled strawberries from there um, uh, Tolkoff's has actually uh, become I don't know if you know anything about Tolkoff uh, mm -mm. foods but they are I think like they own a large portion of the world's uh, horseradish 
um, production, and they're right here in Baltimore. They also do uh, ground no ginger. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're here, and um, so we get uh, ginger from them. Uh, we go up to uh, wholesaler in Lancaster for most of our uh, honey. Um, because we need a really consistent ingredient and they're about the closest we can go to find that. But I've been working um, to develop relationships with um, beekeepers that are a little bit closer in that have stuff that's kind of unique. Um, and uh, we're hoping that now that we have a little bit of space and a little bit of time to actually do a little bit more with that. And, okay, so the challenge for us is the beekeepers can sell it in a little mason jar mm. at the farmer's market, and they're much better off doing that. Economically, great, right. economically. Whereas with brewers, nobody's going to the farmer's market to buy a bag of grain. Not yet. Not yet. Or, or hops, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's exciting to see that that can really support small-scale beekeepers. It's just, we've gotten to the scale that we never thought we'd reached, where I mean, we had 10,000 pounds of money come in today. Um, That's a lot of money. Crazy. Well, and also there's the angle of, you know, what you guys are doing is, is helping the bee population and, and promoting that. And, I, you know, that can't be overlooked because obviously bees are really important to the environment. And even though, you know, it, it's it's meat and it's, it's indirect, you guys are still helping support that. So that yeah. must be a good feeling too. It is. A lot of people don't realize that honey actually in some ways is sort of a side stream product for a lot of beekeepers because their main business is pollination at that kind of scale. Um, so you think about it, it uh, what we do is really help offset those costs for people doing big pollination um, service. It, it helps their total at the end of the year just by providing a little bit bigger market. Got it. Well, every little bit counts, I would, I would think. Um, We've also been working with the uh, Central Maryland Beekeepers Association awesome. and um, a couple other beekeeping groups to kind of promote, um, you know, beekeeping and bee health. Um, we had a couple events uh, this fall uh, that actually uh, were fundraisers for them and pretty excited about it. So on that same note, do you still do beekeeping at home? I do. Yeah. Um, my bee bees are actually uh, over on the eastern shore mostly now. Okay. Um, there's a few that are spread over on this side of the bridge, but um, the basic um, thing is I used to have them actually on my roof, and it was because of the way that my house is set up, I had to crawl through a bathroom window <laughs> and step on my toilet to get out with all the honey. Um, yeah. And the frames, and I had to do that all in my bee suit. And I eventually <laughs> decided that with the amount of wax uh, that was ending up on my bathroom floor and all the other stuff, that it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Wasn't worth it. Yeah. Um, so now they're mainly on the Eastern Shore, more room, no climbing out of yeah. bathroom windows. It's not to say that they didn't do very well here in the city, because on the whole, city bees actually seem to produce more. There's lot more to forage from uh, than you would think in urban areas. That's that's good to know. I mean, I think a lot of that urban kind of agricultural stuff is becoming a little bit more popular if you have the space and know what you're doing, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so we have Retire by the Fire. This, I know, is a popular one for you guys as well. Um, it has, you know, the, the cloves we were talking about and um, 
It's got a really nice, uh, like, dry chocolate note, mm -hmm. too. Um, we improved it a good bit this year, I like to think, anyway. It's really good. And the comments have been... And this is the first time I've had it this year. Yeah. It is, it's really, really good. The, the chocolate isn't too sweet. Yeah, it's just uh, some really rich flavors that you're used to having with sweeter things and a kind of a dry um, mead. It's really uh, rich, you know, luxurious kind of tasting. Uh, it's something great to be drinking in front of the fire. Yeah, but there's our vanilla in there too as well. Yep. Okay, it's it's really good. So this is available obviously in cans at, at the liquor store, but you want to encourage people to come down to the tap room as well? Yes, um, you know, we, we do the farmer's markets uh, as well, and we have the, the tap room, but you can get this now, um, you know, in Northern Virginia, if you're uh, shopping down there, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, here in Baltimore, we've got a lot of really great retailers we work with, um, but it's it, everybody has it these days, which is awesome. That's so awesome. Have you? What's been like your biggest surprise about this whole thing? In four years of small business ownership, I don't think that I would be able to pin any, pin down or talk about some of the more surprising things. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I really enjoy. Um, the people I work with that work essentially for me now. Um, we have a really awesome team. I, I didn't expect so many new friends from the industry um, and to enjoy being around so many new people um, quite as much as I did. I mean, there's a real sense of community uh, within the food and beverage industry. and. There's a lot of really passionate, very smart, totally awesome people. Um, and it's cool because it's uh, we have a real um, pride here in Baltimore, you know, still making things. Um, so anytime somebody's doing something new and cool, we're all talking to each other. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and here at our actual place, um, our, you know, the Mead Works, the, the factory, and um, the people that we work with here, it's a really strong, collaborative, very positive environment. I got, I, I just didn't expect that this would be, uh, you know, like a lot of things in life that people would make that much of a, a difference. Right, right. When you think you're so product focused, yeah. you might not think about that necessarily. Are you planning or have you done any collaborations with local um, beverage people that you want to talk about? Yeah, you're sitting right next to a <laughs> uh, Intrigue in Tangiers. Um, it's part of my own private uh, stash, but you're certainly welcome to open one and try it out oh, if you would nice. like. So this it's Oliver Brewing. Looks like Oliver to me, yeah. Good friends over at Oliver Brewing. Um, Steve Jones is their brewer. They've been around for a really long time now, and uh, they opened up a production brewery in the last couple of years. Always loved what um, you know what Oliver had to offer, and uh, I guess last fall, um, Steve and I started talking and had the opportunity to do something, and um, came up with a plan. Um, uh, and this uh, really wonderful, lightly spiced uh, sort of winter beer. Um, it, it, 
it just it turned out really well. And this year we made it even better. We added date molasses to it, oh, wow. which gives it this really rich, um, this sort of chocolatey malty note that um, is exciting and it's perfectly spiced. It's probably my favorite new winter beer. What's and it called again? Uh, Intrigue and Tangiers. Intrigue and can people get it at most liquor stores? Do you have to kind of go to one or the other facility? I would say that you would probably want. We can, we can't sell it here because it's beer. Right. Um, but if you go to a you know a place that has a lot of craft beer, like the Wine Source mm -hmm. or you know some other real magnet spots, um, I'm sure that Wine Source has a bunch on their shelves. Awesome. That sounds really yeah. great. And then I know you briefly mentioned the apple cinnamon um, mead you have coming up. So when's that going to be released? And sort of what was the inspiration for that? And what will it taste like? Well, we had a cinnamon um, mead that was always pretty wonderful in our still mead lineup. Uh, and we started experimenting uh, with adding a little bit of apple to it. And people liked it even more. So we're going to um, be turning that out in early December. Awesome. That'll be very exciting. That's coming up. Um, well, those were kind of all my questions. Is there anything else that you wanted to add just about Mead or Baltimore or upcoming taproom info? Um, really, uh, you know, we're just going to have weekend hours uh, for the beginning here at the taproom. Uh, we have some um, ambitions to expand that a bit, but we. Uh, Really, the biggest thing we're excited about is to finally have a public uh, space and also to, um, you know, have a chance to refocus on products and making really more awesome meads. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good twofold shift after, um, you know, I, I'm looking at it, since we're in the walk-in cooler, I'm looking at our draft system. <laughs> and I know for a fact that there's about 2,000 zip ties holding all that together. That is a lot of zip ties over there. And you know, now that I'm not worrying about a lot of that and I'm like working on finishing touches here, uh, I think uh, life is pointed in a much more excited direction. Yeah. Um, more time to spend, um, you know, continuing to develop relationships with other businesses and with our community. Um, the community association here has been awesome. And they're doing some really great things over here just on the east side. And, you know, that kind of stuff uh, means a lot. Um, so I'm excited about that. No, it's, it, it is exciting. I think, like I said, I think you're in a great part of town. And um, to sort of be, you've been the trailblazer in so many different ways in this category, in this, in this neighborhood. And it's kind of, it's a good place to be, I think. Um, so thank you so much for your time, James. The meat is delicious. Um, look for it in your local liquor store or come down and visit them on Biddle Street. And happy holidays coming up. <laughs> happy holidays.